This is Beyond Governance with Dr. Nimrod Mbele. Good evening and welcome to tonight's edition of Beyond Governance. My name is Nimrod Mbele. I'm pleased to be in your company, particularly when you're celebrating Women's Month. Um, and I must say, um, tonight's show is definitely dedicated to those unsung heroines, because we have lots of those. A special dedication to, you know, street vendors, special dedication to, you know, domestic workers, because those are my biggest people, you know, those that are operating in the periphery uh, of the economy, as it were. Um, and, and, and those are people that, that, you know, these kind of show, we need to constantly uh, appreciate them more. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely also, you know, echoing the sentiments of most South Africans. Um, something that, in my view, something that has to happen almost daily. You don't have to celebrate Women's Day month in a month. It's something that has been done literally every day. Um, given the, 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 the magnitude of burden which most women are carrying, especially those who are at the periphery of the society. And that's where transformation really needs to happen. Uh, but be that is made, you know, that's, that's another topic for another day. Um, as you know, it is not yet Uhuru. There's so much that needs to happen um, when you look at the representation of women across the board. Um, there are issues of glaring gender inequities, glaring gender bias, glaring um, discrepancies across the board. Um, but really, before we get into tonight's uh, conversation, let me um, acknowledge my predecessors. Kathy has done exceptionally well. Sasha Starr, thank you very much. By the way, it's Women's Month. All the women, um, I bow down for standing work uh, that you guys have done. And I must also apologize for not being here last week. Uh, I've messed up quite a lot. I really missed being in the studio, and I've been getting calls that uh, when I'm coming back, I'm here. Um, um, do me a favor, just weigh in our conversation tonight because... The menu is quite packed. It's, be- it's beautiful. Um, I'll, I'll tell you a bit later as to who are women that um, decided to, you know, give us their time in studio tonight. Um, as you know, I'm just you want to weigh in. Our SMS line is three four five one nine, and our WhatsApp line is zero six one eight nine five one zero nine. And those who want to share their emails, my email is nimrod at chaidosiotoze, and I promise to return all the emails. And I've been I know I've been a good boy. Um, all the emails that you guys have sent me and WhatsApp, I've responded. Uh, so tonight, make no exception, um, do that. Um, having said that, um, I'm joined by, like I said earlier on, three beautiful women who will be sharing their personal experiences at the corporate level. We've got Noni Kubeka, who is the head of Houting Convention and Event Beru at Houting Tourism. Very long and loaded title. <laughs> Uh, trust me, coming from a very special individual, I must add. And also Maureen Masuko, she's the head of travel and marketing sourcing and at Renmichet Bank. And, and last but not least, we have uh, Ms. Dokas Lamini. Did I say Lamini? <laughs> Dokas Mbele, who is the group um, director at Merit International. Um, on that note, ladies, uh, welcome on board. Um, hi. Hi. Hello. How, how are you? We're very We're good. good, good. We're very well. We're very well. Oh, good to hear. Good Thank to hear. you. I need more than that. I need more. <laughs> I need, I've, I've created such vibe. I've created such huge expectations. Um, you know, 
firstly, uh, when we kick off, uh, now that you have pretty much know who is who in the zoo, uh, the listeners will be quite keen to know who is Noni. Uh, you know, brief um, um, background about Noni. Um, good afternoon, listeners. Um, I'm Noni Kupeka, Head of Convention and Events Bureau in Gauteng. So I beat and secure and host events in Gauteng. So all the big events that are in Gauteng is because of the women around. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, so um, that's what I do. I I bid for events. I write proposal, international proposals, um, local proposal, including conferences and convention, international conferences and convention, to bring them into the destination so that we can empower other women, create jobs, job opportunities, small businesses. And that's how, as government, we will, we empower other women, other youth, and everybody in Gauteng using those particular events. Thank you very much, Noni. Um, and, and of course, we've got now Maureen Masuko. Who is Maureen Masuko? Someone who's listening. <laughs> um, good evening to the listeners, and thank you so much for the opportunity. Um, I'm Maureen Masuku. I'm the head of travel and procurement sourcing for um, RMB, which is Rand Merchant Bank. Um, I've been in the travel industry for um, 20 years, um, and um, I've been actually working for travel agencies for the past 10 years, and I've joined procurement, and I spent um, the other 10 years in the uh, procurement industry, and um, I'm actually responsible for tourism um, when it comes to Rand Merchant Bank, and um, I've actually implemented um, quite a few of um, travel agencies um, with three um, big corporate companies. One thing that I like about your job is procurement, which is one of the most um, highly uh, contentious positions yes, in government. Definitely. And that's where yeah. the road happens. Yes. So um, if we need a bit of an advice for government, you your go-to person around procurement because I'm sure you're, built, you're running a very clean, lean and mean yes, machine. Yes, definitely. Yes, definitely. Um, remember in procurement, if you're actually in a procurement position, you cannot actually compromise the process because basically you're compromising the company and the reputation of the company immediately when you divert to the, um, um, to the process, then the reputation of the company is gone. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Let's uh, let's just see because at some point we'll t- I want to talk more about that because half of um, corporate shenanigans revolve around you know procurement, how the rules of the game were massaged or completely mm. Uh, mm. forgotten or misplaced. But anyway, last but not least, we've got Dokas Ambele, um, who is heading at the bottom line of a company. Bit of a background about you, ma'am. Yeah, my name is Dokas Lamini Mbele. Or Bailey. Um, I'm the group sales director for Protea Hotels or Marriott International in South Africa. So my role really revolves around um, heading up a sales team uh, for the organization in hospitality. I've been in the industry for 15 years now. Um, and having grown within the organization, have had really different experiences from different levels. Um, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to the discussion this afternoon or this evening, rather. Thank you very much, ladies. The very first question has got to do with diversity. Yeah. Um, gender is being one dimension of diversity. And, and I often, often have this kind of conversation with, with everybody else that um, 
at least that is my view, that most companies do not appreciate the value of diversity. Diversity is seen as an add-on as opposed to um, a competitive edge, an item that gives a company an edge. Based on your experience, to what extent do you think diversity has been appreciated for its value other than just being taken as um, an imposition? Um, on my side, I can say this is actually something that um, is starting to be embraced slowly, though we actually haven't got where we should be. And uh, most of the company are actually pushed because this is part of the legislation. You actually have to comply, and if you don't comply, you're actually in trouble. So we haven't seen the real breakthrough, but mm. I can say we're actually almost there. Mm. Okay. Noni, what has been your experience? Um, according to, you know, I work in a in a different environment because I work in a PPP environment where the private, it's a combination of the private sector and the public sector mm. for us to bring those bits here. Mm. Um, the, the, the thing is that even though we talk about it, even though mm. both private sector and public sector are talking about diversity, it is something that is still a talk shop. Mm-hmm. But I think as, 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 as government is, is starting to look at things to say, it's, it's, it, it doesn't need to be a talk shop anymore. It's part of morality, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And even though uh, we can actually see government trying to do it, but they are not doing it fully in the top positions. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is just a, a matter of statistics in terms of now. Uh, that it has to be embraced in that particular way, mm. but it's still not something that it is taken to the levels that I would want to see it happening. Yeah. Um, but I think, Noni, as you mentioned in government, I think government is actually doing better than corporate mm. because government, uh, they very actually strict in terms of the uh, PFMA and um, Auditor General is actually after them. Mm. And um, like in government, you can't hide because everything that you do, you get published and, and all that, like mm. everyone talks about it. But in corporate, we actually hide behind the corner because no one will actually talk about it publicly. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, my view on it is is that there, it goes back to the company values, right? So, you know, if the company values the diversity and doing it for the right reasons, because right now every government puts out what the scorecard should look like, and then the companies work around those numbers to mm. achieve what they need to achieve. Mm. But I think. If the company values are true, that they want to do the right thing to create the change, you will immediately see the companies that will be open Definition. about their goals, about their targets as far as you know, transformation is concerned, doing something active about it, but also not at high level only. Yes. Doing it from like low level, That's making so sure that they're putting their money's worth, you know, where it really needs to go, starting from the bottom all the way in all different mm. levels to really transform. And if companies really went back and they looked at their values and they lived up to their values, they'll be able to see that if they did the right thing, it will show in their results automatically. Yeah, definitely. Because right now what's happening, everyone is cutting, you know, not everyone, some people are cutting corners and not necessarily doing what's right because they want to just make sure that they're meeting this, you know, the scores that have been put yeah, it's out It's all there. about legislation. And which brings me to, to, to another question, um, which has got to do with um, the difference between ethics and ethical conduct, yeah. or business ethics and ethics. Mm-hmm. Um, the 
what I'm picking up from the conversation is that there isn't um, that ethical grounding because um, if you're going to cut corners, implied in your methodology is is, is, is ethics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, you know? definitely. Um, you don't, again, ethics is about values. Mm. Mm. Um, your values are on paper, but in practice are not, yeah. mm. which also suggests that you haven't really embraced the understanding or the appreciation mm. of the diversity, mm. not from a number point of view, but from the value. Value. Mm. But, okay, now that that has been established, how do we move beyond that? What sort of, how do we sensitize leadership? Um, now that you've been given the opportunities and the privilege mm. um, to, to, to begin to draft some of these things, what can be done differently to conscientize leadership around ethical conduct so that those values aren't just um, values that we see on paper, but we begin to leave them? Um, on my side, what I can say is that um, women should actually start to um, work hard. Yes, we're actually working hard. Mm. But, you know, there is a perception that if you are a woman and you're actually holding a high position, it's all because of your beauty, your looks and whatsoever, mm. but you're not actually working hard enough. So I think our work should actually talk for us, number one. And um, secondly, I can say at Rand Merchant Bank, we're so uh, fortunate because we have a group that is actually called, it's like an organization, it's actually called... Um, Athena. So it's all about women. So the company actually has given us an opportunity to say you can meet as a group of women and you can actually unpack all the different, all the difficulties that you actually face. And all those are actually discussed at board level and uh, with the solution given. And we actually see the real transformation based on that um, Athena group. I think I like what you yeah. just said because ultimately you, you, you sort of accentuated um, the women issues or gender issues hmm. to the top echelons of the company because hmm. if this conversation are not happening in the board level hmm. and being delegated to somebody who, who's occupying a position of insignificance, if I may add, hmm. um, we're not going to see real traction. Um, hmm. But but again, how do we, you know, we, it, we've also noticed that, I mean, representation, women are underrepresented in so many positions. Yes, yeah. Um, you know, board level, it, that's another big yeah. issue. Uh, I have a particular experience around, you know, why, you know, so many boards have not transformed. Um, but what can be done to really enrich the organizational culture to a point where there is wider representation? I know there's issue of skills, there's issue mm. of competency, but there are programs that can be brought about so Definitely. that we're able to, you know, mitigate the mm. risk of bringing someone who is not quote-unquote competent mm. or quote-unquote qualified. Mm. But from a practical point of view, how do we move, you know, these this, this, this boundaries to a point where we have some kind of representation? Your experience, the kind of programs that you guys have initiated, are they getting traction? If they're not getting traction, why? If they're getting traction, what sort of, what, what, what inspired the traction, the traction they, you know, they're getting? I think... I think at the beginning of um, when this gender diversity issue was put on the pedestal, we, you know, we started looking at opportunities to not for ourselves only, but for um, junior managers yeah. and mm. other managers if you're at senior level. On my side, I know that I've been a mentor both locally and internationally for 10 years. Yeah. So um, not, not only a mentor in terms of... Um, 
my expertise in the in, in the industry, mm. but also a mentor in growing a young woman step by step into the next level and the next level and the next level. And I've taken upon myself to, you know, even though the mentorship is not formalized, but I've joined mentorships that are there, that are done by other people to offer my services to be a mentor and not only mentor that particular person in terms of their uh, career growth and personality growth, but also make sure that I look for opportunities for that particular young woman to the next okay. level of, of, of his career. I can count a few that, you know, mm-hmm. I've, I've done that. And what I've done now is to take not only at that particular level, but from a level of a uh, school going age, mm-hmm. which is grade 11 and grade 12, mm-hmm. where you can actually see that there is potential mm-hmm. of the, uh, of the, of, of, um, these kids to be somewhere else so that they can start looking after their careers even though at that particular point they are not sure about their career but to you know, to go back to the olden times where we ha- we do some kind of career gu- guidance. Mm. But when it comes to the workplace, um, what I've done with my own team, anyone who has been in my team, I did not um, wait for the HR team to look at their career path. But I will sit with an individual and say, "Where do you want to see yourself? Mm. What do you want to?" What do you want to do? And I would will plot, mm-hmm. you know. And some of my colleagues that are here with me at the studio, I think they've invited me to this particular discussion because it's one of those things that we call it a passion and a hobby. Mm-hmm. And we would like to see someone else that we never thought they, that will be at that particular uh, place being there. Mm-hmm. So I, I really think that mentorship is is one of those things that has gone, but also just. Career guidance in terms mm. of um, um, students that uh, um, girls students that are still there, including the ones that have just working mm. in the in the careers because it's hostile out there. But what I've also done with uh, people at my own uh, level is that I've started nominating them for boards mm. because we'd never nominate each other. And I've started that campaign of saying, let me nominate you for this particular position, not because I know you, but because I know your skill, mm. Below, mm. because mm. I know your competence, because I know what value you can add to that particular organization. Yeah. And most of the people that I have nominated are in those particular, in those particular boards. And in return, they end up nominating me for what they know I'll be good at. So we push each other. Mm, it's yeah. a push mm. that's, that's foundation. Quite, quite, yeah. quite interesting. Yeah. Quite, but you, uh, other views on this very topical issue? I Listen, I think in having started in this, you know, in, in certainly in our industry, having started at such a young age, you, you come in as a young woman, you have ideas of what it has to offer or a workplace has to offer. But you quickly, you know, um, hit by reality. Yeah. And for me, I think one of the biggest things is that, you know, we've got to start from the grassroots. And, mm-hmm. you know, I love going back to schools. I love going back to colleges, speaking to the youngsters, understanding what is it that they think of our industry specifically. And they have a certain idea. And that's also because the people who are teaching them about tourism or hospitality, the teachers themselves have never had these experiences. So I think it has to start there. Where you, you know, we start with the youngsters to and make them understand what is the role that you're going to be playing in. From a woman point of view, same thing. 
women, we are not taught at a young age that you must be strong, you must be looking for equality, you must fight, you must stand your ground, you must be confident. So we've got to now, us having had this experience, be able to impart that knowledge to the youngsters. Certainly when it comes to skills, skills is a very important thing. I think companies need to continue to really invest in women. I mean, our organization spends a lot of millions and millions and millions of rands um, in programs that we have internally to really provide education and skills to the young women who are going to be coming through to, um, you know, do the program, complete the program, then be part, be part of the managerial um, uh, level. But then it seems to stop. It seems to stop that, you know, you've got these women that don't go further. And that's because they need coaching. They need mentorship. That's where you, you know, you know, Nonia speaks about being coached on the job, being coached to be able to sit around the table and own your seats. Own, be confident, um, be confident in what you, you believe in, be confident in, you know, whatever your ideas might be, even if there is a pushback. And there isn't enough coaching and mentorship for women who are finding themselves. Often you're the only one or there's two of you. There's not enough time. There's not enough, you know, knowledge on how to navigate around those discussions to be able but, to be but, heard. But can I, can I come through? If companies are spending Millions of rents that, that, that we've had to last. Yes. Why is it so difficult to create a cohort or program that are more sustainable? Why is it difficult that leadership cannot leverage on, you know, those sparks? You know, here's an individual who has a, a brilliant concept mm. and, and of which everybody gets this, this concept is working. Mm. Why the reluctance? Because I want to get really deep as to why we're not moving, you know, because we know there are barriers. Mm. How, why, why are we not you know, moving um, the needle to a point we massify, you know, the, 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 the pocket of excellence that have already been established. Unfortunately, um, predominantly the industry is male-dominated. Mm-hmm. And they're also looking after their positions. They're also looking after their interests. And there's also a male ego. And what... You know, it's, it's very, very difficult to penetrate. You have to be very, very strong. You have to know yourself. You, know, you have to have a very good, strong support in order to reach that uh, point. So that's why when we started, we said these programs are a bit of a talk shop. Yes, they are there, but there are few companies that have started doing, you know, different, different things. Um, as Margaret has said, um, that they, 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 you know, they, they, um, they, they've got their interest, but they will not, they will not, um, do it for you. You have to penetrate and utilize whatever coaching or mentoring skills that, um, you know, that we, we've, um, received and, and, and use it, not only for ourselves. The thing is that with what has been happening in our country in the previous years, people have started to become selfish. So whatever information they get, whatever coaching, whatever position that they have, it's for them and their families. Even for their families, sometimes they don't share. So we've started now to say, whilst this this is a good opening, mm. we need to utilize it for the country and know that everything that we do, we're not doing it for ourselves as women, mm. but we're also doing it for the country because it's going to benefit the nation. Yes, yes. indeed. Yes, indeed. If you have just, if you have just joined us, I'm joining 
joined in studio by Nanuku Berger, who is the head of Houghton Convention and Event Bureau at Houghton Tourism Authority, Ms. Maureen Masuko, who is the head of Travel and Marketing Sourcing at Rand Merchant Bank, and last but not least, um, uh, Ms. Doka Simbela, who is the Group Sales Director at um, Marriott International SA. We deliberating around issues that are confronting women in the leadership position on how, you know, how they find environment and what sort of opportunities are there and what sort of programs they have in place that really advances, um, you know, the position of women. Happiness? Yeah. Good. Shall we take a break and come back in a second? This is Beyond Governance with Dr. Nimrod Mbele. Welcome back. It's amazing how time flies when you have been fun. For those of you who have just joined us, I'm joined in studio by Noni Kuberga, who is the head of Houghton Convention and Event Bureau at Houghton Tourism Authority, Ms. Maureen Masuko, who is the head of Travel and Marketing Sourcing at Rent, Rent Merchant Bank, and Ms. Dokas uh, Mbele, who is the Group Sales Director at Marriott uh, uh, International SA, and we're deliberating around issues that are confronting women. As we are celebrating Women's Month, um, we brought these powerful ladies to share their thoughts, their insights, their experiences on what works and how we can elevate what works. Uh, bear in mind there are a number of challenges that are bedeviling women. Um, one of my, you know, just before we went to the break, I, I wanted to emphasize, you know, or acknowledge that individually you guys are, you seem to be doing something that is working. But unfortunately for you to have a big dent on these numerous, you know, either individually sponsored or collectively sponsored, you need a bigger hand. Government, that's where it's supposed to be coming. And in my mind, I've not seen anything impactful from the Minister of Women, you know, because these are, this is a ministry which has been designed to uplift and, and massify programs that are working. Your experience, to what extent um, is this ministry doing its best to elevate women? Basically, um, we haven't seen like a huge impact. Um, it's not, it's still like a challenge. What we actually seen as a challenge is that we've started, um, we know how to do the work, we're actually capable and we can actually demonstrate that we can actually give a proper output and end to end. But then opportunities are not there. We are not actually given like enough opportunities. It's like when you mentor a young girl, you say to them, go to school, study, do this and that, be brave, be strong. And afterwards they say to you, okay, here am I with my qualifications. I'm ready um, to climb the ladder, but where are the opportunities? Mm -hmm. So I think government is also not actually um, opening a fair platform. Yes, we're talking about it, but nothing is actually happening or whatever that is happening it's actually not enough yeah is this a global view of that ministry well i mean if you're asking about the the women ministry we i certainly haven't seen much from from them um what i what i can speak to and my colleagues in the studio can speak to um in terms of what has been done by our well which was really initiated by our former um, a deputy minister and then she became a minister and now she's in sport. So, but it was an initiative that came from the tourism, um, minister at the time, um, Ms. Togozile. 
um, Sasa. And, um, so, and this was, she created what, uh, a, an environment or a platform that was called Women in Tourism. Mm-hmm. And this really was to in, encourage and to really, um, drive women interaction in, you know, in tourism, but also to really drive the, the, the efforts around women leadership within, in, you know, tourism. When we look at the stats currently as they stand, we're sitting with about 70% of women sitting in at the lower, lower position within um, within tourism um, with some of them sitting at about uh, 20% sitting at about middle management but if you look at the highest stats when you look at senior executive positions you're sitting at about 5 to 8% you can correct mm-hmm. me yeah, you can correct me Noni um, but you know so what she then derived from this was um, you know uh, a program called um, executive leadership program and really is um, this is to take Young women who are in middle pos- management position within the hospitality environment or the tourism environment, um, and they go through this program with UNISA, yeah. um, mm-hmm. and um, which is paid for fully by um, by the ministry. Um, so, which is really really great because then it just elevates their skill mm-hmm. and then takes them to the to to the next level. But really, what the really main goal um, the ministry has been driving uh, is to drive the 2022 goal um, to reach a goal of 30% of women in senior positions um, level. And that's what we know uh, yeah. from our ministry, from the tourism industry. Um, and again, this is where now us you know, in our own organizations, whether it's private or, or public sector, we continue to then drive certain initiatives, partnering with, you know, the tourism. We've got certainly as Marriott International, we've got a couple of our young women that have gone through the program um, and other young women who are currently on the program this year, which has really been beneficial to give them the skill to really do their job, navigate in their positions, but also move to the next level. Um, and it supports our initiatives that we have. But also Ketsita, they also um, have grants um, where they support some of the initiatives in terms of providing skills. They also have grants that also support um, some um, uh, uh, qualifications uh, within our industry as well. So I don't know, if Noni, yeah. if you want to add on on that. I, th- I think on the Women in Tourism uh, program, what I like about it is not a one-month program like mm-hmm. the August program. It's a it's a year all around all around program, mm-hmm. and what the angle that I like about it is the fact that it's not only concentrating on middle managers mm-hmm. and um, and and junior uh, staff members. Um, it also concentrates on. Uh, women that have businesses in their mm. townships mm. so that the the thesis that they write or the program that they go through was doing women in, 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 in tourism program, it's how to grow your business yeah. or how to revitalize your business and add certain things so that at least when you go back, it's like a Harvard kind of model where if after doing that particular model, you can go back, implement come back and, and, and show the results and yep. implement like that. So people that have done it in the past two years that are small businesses, you can actually see the change in, in, you know, in their, mm-hmm. in their business model together with how they do things, what their businesses, 
you know, the, the sustainability in terms of their business. You can actually see the change in a very um, effective or quick yep. way um, as part of, a, a, you know, a return on investment in that particular program. Mm. And on the side of the of the Department Minister of Women and Children, we haven't seen much, and mm. and maybe because of because of the programs that are there in the hospitality industry that are pushing women, we concentrating on them to make sure mm. that they don't only benefit employed women, Mm-mm. formally employed yeah. women in government and private sector, but also women that own their own businesses within the tourism industry, because we believe that those businesses are the one that build the economy, mm. and for us. Economy and a woman is equals to yes. growth. Yes. <laughs> My goodness. Well, you know, in fact, I, yes. I, 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 I like that kind of model because in as much as corporate will do their best to, you know, mot- you know, to bring in as many women as possible, there are only so many positions available. Mm, definitely. Um, yes, you can push and, and get as many mm. people. Unfortunately, absorption capacity has limitation. Yeah. The long-term sustainability... It is it is uh, an enterprise that that recognises women who are who sit outside employment, mm. formal mm. employment, women that are running their own businesses. Yeah. Um, in that way, when you when you empower those kind of women, you're more likely to recreate value in terms of the return on investment because mm. you're not really um, empowering women to 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 to, to look for jobs. You, you, cre- you empower women to create jobs, jobs you know, which which is a, a thinking that. In my view, I mean, corporate perhaps maybe something that you guys have to learn about because mm. uh, there's only so many opportunities available, you know, because the long-term sustainability is through SMMEs. Yes. SMMEs are your bedrock of any economy. Definitely. The more we spend time and resources empowering uh, women uh, in those kinds of se- sectors, we, we're more likely to, to, to do. Because yeah, yeah. the reality is that, um, you know, corporate, you know, we all know that the economy downturn is happening, mm. you know, everybody's cutting. You know, and opportunities are dwindling, and the preoccupation is bottom line, not so much. That is why the conversation around gender mainstreaming are uh, becoming just a peripheral issue, particularly when you're confronted by you know massive, uh, you know, uh, economic downturn yeah. that you, you know, shareholders are expecting, you know, the return on investments, mm-hmm. and those that happens to the preoccupation. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least that's that's my view, and which by the way, it's not an excuse yeah, yeah. Uh, to condone. Mm. To condone, um, you know, um, um, uh, current in, in inequalities mm. or inequities, inequities. Mm. Yeah, yeah. As I think, I think, uh, yes, we, you know, private, uh, private sector is under pressure, but I still do think there's an opportunity. Um, and the role, a big role that they can play in terms of small to medium organisations, right? Yes. And mm. you know, when you know whether it's around. Um, enterprise development. Um, you know, we've got a really great story in Cape Town where we've got this young lady, um, who has, um, who used to work in a spa and she's gone on to open her own spa business. And now her spa business is, um, you know, operating within one of our hotels. And then she is literally, she's owning her own business, but actually part and an extension of this big organization. And that's one organization that we've created out of many that we've created, um, out of our organization. So I think if, I go back, I still go back to if corporates understood their values and they stood by their values and doing it for the right reasons, you will see the results. Yes, it might not necessarily come at the, as quick as maybe we want to, but 
I, I, I've seen it. I've seen it where it becomes a positive result because you have um, imparted so much skill or support to small, um, medium, um, you know, companies. Certainly in our, in our industry as travel, we don't touch big groups or big brands only. It, you have no idea that, you know, Noni here, yes, she talks about bringing big business or big events to Gauteng. But each and every one of those events she brings here touches all the different regions we have in this country, whether it's about pre or post um, events, small towns. And in the small towns, that's where you've got smaller operators or small companies. So there is business for each and everybody. Um, and I think there's, there's definitely an opportunity where we need to really drive the small to medium companies or enterprise development, rather, mm. within our organizations. Definitely. Your, your take, Maria? Um, I think um, corporate also actually has to learn or invest more on the SMEs as well mm. because um, I think that's a long-term um, return on investment, as we have just alluded. If you actually empower one business, I mean, you're actually empowering most of the un- unemployed people. And to me, I think that's the most powerful investment that corporate should actually look at. And we should actually stop window dressing in terms of saying we're actually um, supporting the SMEs, whereas it's just the front line or the face is the SME. But then when you look at the papers, it's actually there's a, a, a person of a certain um, race who's actually running the business. Mm-hmm. So in procurement, we've actually seen that, and it's it's actually it's hurting and 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 it's bad and it's really happening. Window dressing is something that is really really happening. Mm-hmm. So I think corporate should actually do more due diligence in terms of if we're bringing this SME on board, who you are, who is behind you, and just invest where we should actually invest. But but I, I just want to you know probably refer on the very point about um, you know what corporates should be doing ethically. Um, we all know that most co- mo- most entities do not behave ethically. Mm. That's that's not uh, um, you know a surprise or a secret. The question is um, why in so many instances um, you know similar companies continue to do business with entities that completely flout the rules. And, and, and benefiting from corporate because this is your responsibility ultimately. Uh, you can't push it to someone else and say, you know, um, you know, let's get our act together and, mm-hmm. and the same individual do business with you. Exactly. So you have that moral obligation to, to, to streamline and also not just talk about it, but, you know, have punitive measures against companies that are fronting, mm-hmm. you know, have mm-hmm. punitive measures against companies that are fraud, are, are involved in fraudulent activities. What has been your experience in and so far as addressing that particular because that's quite massive. Um, I remember when I was actually working for, um, okay, I'll mention the name, uh, uh, um, for SABC, and there was a lady by the name of Madi Boka. I actually still respect her. And if you actually coming, you say, I'm an SME, and um, she won't actually accept that. She will actually do her own due diligence to say, I just want to see that. And I remember we once went to Cape Town to do like site inspection before the award, before we awarded the tender. And when we, um, the papers and the documents of the company, there was one lady who was actually, um, who was actually classified as a, as, as one of the owner, one of the directors. And her name, I still remember her name was Maria. So when we got to the company and we said, can we please see Maria? We have a meeting with her. 
And the lady who was actually wearing, you know, like domestic work uh, uh, um, outfit, and she said, I am Maria. And we said, Maria, is this your ID? Because we had the ID copy. And she said, yes, I am Maria, and this is me. And we said to her, are you a director of the company? She said, no, I was actually offered uh, a 13 check of something like um, like 11,000 so that I can be on papers of the company. And um, I still respect this lady, Madiboka Chokwe, because she was it, she was actually taking this into like you know like into her own responsibility to say, I just want to see this happening. I just want to see transformation happening. And and if we invest on an SME, it has to be a proper investment. Fronting is just not a way to go. So I wish all companies can actually do that. So it's not like every company that does that. They just accept what they see on paper and they just move along, which I think it's really, really uh, not fair and a proper due diligence should be done. Mm. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm. On the, on the side of the government, I think we're much more lucky because we've got the central database system that people register on. But also we hold the key. So if I bring an event and I've got a right on it, uh, Dockers will know. We, we've got, you know, um, a, a way of including SMMEs into the business itself. We know very well that we don't have infrastructures in our communities. Therefore, the event will come to places with infrastructure. So if you can't take the business to the township, bring the township to the business. So example will be for a delicious festival, they create food uh, and entertainment area. Where there is food, we've got townships that have got um, uh, restaurants and whatever. They, we make an agreement with Delicious to bring those, those restaurants into the Delicious so that they can do my, they, they, they can sell, they can whatever. So there are ways and means that you can include women business into uh, established businesses mm-hmm. depending on what key you have. As government, we have the key and we use the key for township revitalization. We're almost done with our conversation. I've got this one question. Yes. Um, what keeps you up at night as a woman who is in leadership position? What completely makes you while awake at night, because it's such an aging issue, such um, you know issue that that, that bothers you so much around around <laughs> around leadership. Um, yeah, unemployment. It's, it's it, it definitely I agree with Noni. It's unemployment. Of it's under it's under representation. Um, I think <laughs> I read an article recently um, by Melinda Gates. Uh, we all know who she is, and. She said, we send our daughters to workplaces that were created or built by our fathers. We have not created this environment that is conducive for women. So if you don't have women at a low, at the top level to really have a high impact on companies' culture, on the policies, um, creating an environment that people want to see themselves um, coming in, it keeps me up at night. What am I doing to make sure that the child who's still at school or who's yeah. just starting today or is being struggling, maybe trying to grow, they stay on that path because they can see me 
because I look like them. I come from where they come from. Mm. I've gone through the same challenges. So for me, what keeps me up at night is unemployment. Um, it is the underrepresentation of women. And I do know the positive impact that women can bring to our economy. I do know the positive impact that women can bring to our like sense of leadership in, in just in our country, in our society. Um, and I would like one day, this voice you hear today I didn't have before, I'd like to hear more women. And that's why I surround myself with really strong women mm. um, because they really empower me and hopefully I can empower them. And then hopefully we can have more of these women coming through the ranks. On my side, basically, it's actually a woman-to-woman empowerment. Mm. And um, we really have to do that on a serious note because um, in most of the cases we talk about it, but we don't actually do it from the heart. I would say I'm actually supporting women, I'm mentoring them, and at the same time, I'm actually not doing it from the bottom of my heart. I'm just doing it, just to cross the number. So women-to-women support is quite important. What, what, what is behind it? I think that's quite significant mm-hmm. that um, you know people just do it for sake of doing it. Um, because, because in that, there, there's almost like a deficit um, kind of psychology. Mm-hmm. What could be the reason that, 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 that leads to that kind of a scenario? What I think, um, what I can think of, or personally, I think that it's actually jealousy because we don't actually have enough women there. So if I actually have to pull dockers, then it will be like a number of us. And I actually feel so very good. You wanna, yes, you I want to take, take the, the glory. glory. I want everyone to know Maureen Masugu, who is this dynamic, powerful woman alone, you know, and I'll just say to people, I'm still actually empowering, I'm helping women, but whereas I'm not actually doing it to the fullest. Mm. So in a way that in other, like other women, when you talk to them, they will say to you, before I apply for a position, I need to check if I'll be reporting to a male or to a female. So if I have to report to a female, I'm not going to take that position because I know I won't be empowered. So My that goodness, actually, that's quite scary. Yeah, it yeah. is. And it's actually, it's there and it's happening. So it's not easy. Women to women is just not the support. Ladies, unfortunately, that's, that's what we have for tonight. I wish you could have more time, but it is an absolute pleasure to have you on board. And I've certainly learned a lot. And, and, and um, all the best to you. Thank, Thank you, you, Doctor. You're welcome. Thank you so yeah. much. Well, that is that was uh, Noni Kubeka, who's the head of um, Houghton Convention and Event Bureau at Houghton Tourism, uh, together with Maureen Masuku, who heads the travel and marketing sourcing at, at Red Merchant Bank, and Doka Sumela, who's a group um, sales director at Marriott International um, um, SA, uh, who graced our studio tonight and gave us very well thought through um, insights on some of the challenges and opportunities that lies for women. Until we meet again, it has been my pleasure. Have a good one.